I'm excited about today's message. This has been in me for a long time. Um, most of you know my beautiful wife, Kelly. Stand up, will you? Just, that's, this is my best half. Some would say this is my only half anymore. But I'm, uh, I'm very thankful for her. She's, uh, she's having a birthday this Wednesday. We're not going to sing happy birthday. But um, celebrating 40 years of this wonderful woman being on the planet. I know she only looks 20. I know. But uh, I'm just very thankful for her. And, you know, most of you were there at our wedding. And um, you know firsthand how that all went. But uh, thankfully, none of you came to our honeymoon. And um, we went to Costa Rica. I want to share this. Um, it's a, it, it was an exciting time. And I think you'll get a kick out of the story. But it, it does, believe it or not, it does lead into actually. It leads into something. But uh, we had a wonderful reception at the Sea Island Yacht Club out there at Rockville. And we rode off into the sunset in this old, like, 1920 Ford I don't know what kind of truck it was, but it, it got us to where we needed to go, which was good. But it was kind of picturesque. And we went off to, we stayed at an airport, or at the airport hotel, and we flew out to San Jose, which is the capital of Costa Rica. Third world country. Oh, yes, we did. Yeah, I blocked those things out. Pastor talked about that last week, how we just kind of delete those bad experiences. Well, from Charlotte, we flew to San Jose, a third world country. I have never been out of the country. Kelly, as many of you know, has not lived in America very long. Um, but she, uh, she was well-equipped, prepared emotionally, mentally. You know, she had the, the vaccines lined up, the, the passports, everything ready to go. And um, it was exciting. You know, I was, I was really happy to kind of get... get drawn into her element. And so we flew into San Jose, and I had all these expectations. You know, you're going to a, a third world nation, and, and you just feel like I've, you don't know what to expect. And you, you always picture coming in where there's the, the market people want to come and sell you stuff immediately off the, you know, and you don't, you want to watch your wallet because they say there's a lot of pickpockets in these types of places. And so there's all these things you start to think about. Well, we arrive there, we get out of the airplane, and we walk out to the double doors that are going to release us into Costa Rica. And so the doors open, and I almost heard that, oh, but it was quickly disrupted by Denny's. The restaurant, Denny's, was the first thing I saw in Costa Rica. I couldn't believe it. I thought, wow, we should have made a left at Albuquerque or something. I don't know, but we, we shouldn't have been where we were. Well, it was Costa Rica. We got through that. Um, we went to go rent our vehicle, and uh, this is where the adventure started. Now, mind you, we didn't have a plan. We didn't have predestined places plotted out where we're going to stay at this hotel this night and go here and see this site. And No, we just, we were doing it Kelly style. We're just going to go and see what happens. So we go to rent the car, and um, we've never been. You know, we're, it, we've heard stories, the potholes are real bad. You've got to avoid those and crazy drivers and all the rest. Well, we go in and, and to rent the car, and they rent us a, a, a nice little car, brand new car, only had 300 miles on it. And we told them we'd like to just travel around. They made some suggestions, and they highlighted on a map for us. 
where we were to go. And, and there's not many roads. It's not like America. There's not interstates and boulevards and you know, all, all this. It's just uh, kind of, you know, just follow the mountain. You know, don't fall off and you'll get there. And as they highlighted this, this route that was taking place simultaneously with the riding up of the vehicle, and they hand us the keys, and they say, your car is parked in lot 32. Okay. So we take the keys, and we've got our map, and we're excited. We've got our luggage, and, you know, there's this newlywed buzz in the air, and we're excited. We get to the, to the lot, and there's in this, I think this was before smart cars. But if smart cars existed at that time, they would have rented us a smart car. They rented us a Ford Festiva. Chicken nugget. Tim and Casey, I think you, you know about that. Which, um, brand new. It was only had 300 miles on it, real nice. Got in. It was real reliable. We felt good about it. We got in, and we didn't think much of it, except that it would be good for dodging potholes. So we strike out into San Jose streets with this map, and Kelly is, is a map reader. She's my navigator. And we're driving through and avoiding potholes here and there, but it wasn't near what I thought it was going to be. And I started to quickly realize that it was a lot of hype that prepared me and kind of falsely got me prepared for this experience. Well, quickly the, the asphalt ended and dirt started. And now you're on the rural Costa Rica, third world. Wow, this is what they're talking about. So as we, we navigate up the mountainside, we're going to Vulcan Arenal, which is a, a volcano called Arenal. Up the volcano, there's hot springs. And the, the, the closer you get to the top of the, the source, it gets hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter. So we're like, this is going to be awesome. We're going to go check that out. So on our way, um, we're avoiding potholes. And then we get to a place where it's unavoidable. You're going to get, I mean, there you're driving through craters. I mean, and, and the further in we got to Costa Rica, the more the locals saw us drive by and kind of looked at us like, what do they think they're doing? I thought it was kind of weird. People on donkeys were looking at us like, <laughs> they don't know what they're getting into. Well, quickly we found out why. We've come across a river that just runs right through the, 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 the road, which I guess we were there at the end of the rainy season, so the waters were flowing from then. Um, but you don't just drive through in a chicken McNugget through the river. Despite my desire to, I didn't do it. And I understood why the donkey and the guy looked at us like, you guys are nuts. So we turned around and we found an alternate route. And we climbed up the mountain in the car and got into these god-awful potholes. And ultimately, the map led us to where we needed to be. We had a fantastic time. I ruined the car. Yeah, I'll tell you about this. has nothing to do with the rest of it, but I'll tell you this because it's just funny. We were, I finally got used to the mountains. And, you know, kind of there's a, a point where you're going around the mountains and you feel like, I don't know what's around that bend, and the road could be washed out. You don't know what's going on. And trucks would come barreling around the side of the mountain. Commercial trucks, I mean, there's barely enough room. If I was in a Hummer, we would have been doomed because we would have been hitting each other. But being that we were in that little car, we were able to get across, you know, up to the mountain, and these trucks would drive right by, and they were, they were zooming. So I thought, well, let's zoom, and we, we wanted, you know, went in Rome. So we zipped on down the road, and we're, yeah, it was rally, man. We, these these leaves, you know, the tropical foliage, the leaves there, it's like Avatar. Everything is big and lush and just, I mean, we're driving through these leaves and I just don't want one to hit the windshield because it's just going to consume the car. But we're whipping through these, this road and I hear Kelly yell, NUT! And I'm looking and I'm, I see shadows and I see a lot going on, leaves flying and just in the nick of time, well not, I didn't, I didn't miss it. There was a boulder 
in the center of the road that had fallen off one of the mountains. And it hit a direct hit on the front under the car, and it pushed the oil pan up under the motor. And the motor was now no longer sitting on the motor mounts, which are supposed to cushion the vibration of the motor. No, but now it's sitting on the frame or the oil pan, and you feel everything. So now it really feels like a rally car. And it's just hang, hang, and I just but quickly I pulled into a ditch to climb underneath to see what damage had been done. Nothing was leaking. Seemed like I'm not a mechanic, but it didn't seem like anything was going to fall off anytime soon. So we just kept on going. And we had a great time in that little rally car. And that happened on the first stint of our trip. So the rest of the time, we're in this thing. So anyway, ultimately, we made it back to the car rental agency. We had insurance. I handed them the keys. And it was just kind of one of those, here you go. I'm out of here. Hurry up, honey. Get in. Let's get out. But uh, they had our credit card, so they could have charged us, but they didn't. Good thing we canceled that one. No, we didn't. But um, that, that experience, I tell you that because we, had, we did have a map, and we did have direction. We knew kind of we, when we got there, we decided we're going to go here. They gave us a, a map, and we ran into this whole adventure along the way. And um, I was thankful for that map. Well, now, in the ever-changing technological world we live in, mankind has invented this thing called a GPS. These are cool. Because, for one, instead of having your wife's voice saying, turn left, turn right, you know, back up, speed up, so the GPS does it for her. It'll tell you. And I mean this. Kelly is the best navigator there ever was. But I've put more faith in these GPSs. And let me tell you what happened. This is... This is this is sad. Ski invasion. You guys were there. We rode up the mountain going to Tennessee for ski invasion, Gatlinburg, Tennessee. We'd been a couple of years prior. I mean, we'd been annually for years. And I thought, well, no, the first year. And then the second year we did it ourselves. And the third year, I, I decided, you know what, I'll just go ahead and I'll use the GPS because it's going to tell me how to get there fastest and the best way. Well, we follow the instructions that the GPS is spewing out to us. Well, long and short of it is, I was on the side of a mountain being asked to turn left off a cliff into a river. <laughs> and Kelly was saying, I told you so. She's, she's, she's like, you should have listened to me. Well, mind you, I have a, I'm in a 15-passenger van, and we have another one following us with... Oh, it was, it was Lebby was following us. You remember, you, were, you had my child in tote. And I was about to lead the whole youth group and my family to wipe out the proved existence instantly. Well, we've, we did turn around. And that, that long story short is that even GPSs are not infallible. I mean, they're, they're going to make mistakes. Amen, right? I hear Michael back there. Well, what I wrote here was it's, it's amazing how much stock we put in these types of things as humans. Now, I'll tell you this. As I felt like my life might have been ended there, I did... A message was birthed in me, and as I'm looking at this little GPS, and I wanted to chuck it off of the, into the river, I thought, you know, it's amazing, this little device, how much stock we put in you. I'm talking to it, you know. It's just how you're just, you're, and you're wrong at that. And just that quickly, it's like the Holy Spirit said, uh-huh. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And, and I started, that, that just kind of opened up this whole broad picture. And I started to see how we as humans put so much stock in things that we shouldn't. Well, 
I mention that um, because it, it helped me to, to realize and to be thankful for the fact that God has a plan for you and for me. He has a, a predestined plan for your life, and he's written it in his word. Romans 8, 29 and 30. If you'd put that on the screen. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. He knew us before we were born, and he already had a plan for us. And he has positioned us in a place where we can achieve that if we so choose. But he did give us the ability to choose. Which might have been, if God ever made a, a fault, that might have been the only one. Well, God places vision in us, and he often uses other people to move us into that vision. As I was preparing this message, and I, I, I was, and even all the laughter that I wanted to generate this morning, I, I, he was doing in me. And I, I felt like, you know, this is, it's amazing, you know, and he laughs too. He's just, I can't believe it. I can't believe you people. Why you do the things that you do? And I was struggling with the fact that I wanted to present this message the way that I will. And I asked him, Lord, is it okay with you if I, if I do this? Because I'm not really, um, I don't want to sugarcoat things for you guys. I don't want, um, I don't want to have to, to, to bring the Holy Spirit to the platform and walk on eggshells as I do it. But he did, he re, he, he re showed me the fact that he does that too. Not the, not the, the eggshell walking, but he brings things to his people in a manner in which they can receive it. And it was reassuring for me to know that he spoke in parables and he revealed some things to me as, as I was kind of humbling before him saying, Lord, I, I run it. I want to do you justice. I want to bring your word forth pure and, and, and impactful, but is it okay if I do it in this manner? And he said, yeah. In fact, in Matthew 13, 44 through 47, I'm not going to read through all of this, but he would say, again, the kingdom of heaven is like. And it, that just made me feel so much better to know that he would, he would, the kingdom of heaven is just to comprehend the magnitude of that in and of itself is just, we can't do it as a simple human. So he would say, the kingdom of heaven is like. And that spoke to my spirit. And this morning, I want to bring to you what, have I, what I have entitled today's message is GPS, God's Positioning System. Because we put so much stock in our own man-made GPS and not enough in His. And He has a positioning system for us. But the kingdom of heaven is often like God's positioning system in our lives. If you've ever... How many of you own a GPS or are familiar with one? If I could, just so I know who I'm talking to. Okay, yeah, we've got all of y'all for the most part. You know that voice in the GPS as you're driving along? You've, you've plugged in your coordinates. And as you're driving along, turn right in 500 yards. And then turn right in 100 yards. Turn right in 50 yards. Dang, you passed it. No, it doesn't say that part. But there's that voice. And it, it alerts you of what's coming ahead. And um, I feel like the Holy Spirit is like that in our lives. And we need to allow the Holy Spirit to be that in our lives. 
God sent the Holy Spirit not just to be with us, but to be in us. He wants to tell us what we need to know. He wants to reveal all the truth and edify us and encourage us and teach us. And the idea is really that we won't be lost. That's, that, that's God's plan. He doesn't want us to, to get off the beaten path. He doesn't want us to get lost. He wants, to, he wants us to keep us on track. But if we follow his step-by-step instructions, which he's given us through his word, we'll know how to get to our destination. But we can choose to follow or not to follow these instructions. And that's the big thing. And I, I want to drive that point home because it is a choice. In every single one of our lives, it is a choice as to whether or not we're going to choose to follow his instructions. Well, as I mentioned, the GPS is not infallible. It's not going to show you what's around the bend. It's not going to show you where the potholes are. It's not going to show you where the guy and the donkey are going to look at you and watch and say, what are they doing? The Holy Spirit will do that, though. God is not infallible. His word, he knows the perfect plan for your life. He knows exactly where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there, and he wants to place you there. And he's constantly telling us where we need to be and how we should get there. But whether or not we listen is a whole other story. I know I've been guilty of taking the stance before God that I think I know the better way. And I think it's just inherent in men, for the most part, to say, I, I can do this. I'm not stopping and asking for directions. I can do this. And I just rebuke that in Jesus' name. Because it is so important that we stay sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to our, to our, to our soul and to move us through life. Because otherwise, we're just going to end up lost. And, you know, God, God creates destinations in our lives, I believe, to give us opportunity to fulfill His Word. And to have His Word alone, this is a map. That's great. It's good to have a map. But I believe that the Holy Spirit's voice is that GPS voice in our head that tells us of our divine appointments. Because this is, while this is a general map and it speaks to all of us on some level, as you read it, have you ever heard the word rhema? The term rhema is words alive. As you read and you receive, certain word will come alive through what we have learned as rhema. And that's the Holy Spirit bringing it to life for you as an individual. And... I think that's really cool because with just the Bible alone, um, let's just put it this way. God, it was necessary for him to send the Holy Spirit because without the Holy Spirit, these really would just be words to us and laws. But Jesus came, he fulfilled those laws that when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, it gives life to this, to this Bible. And that's really important as we go forward in our, in our faith. Well, I've got to, I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, about David and his walk, and it's going to shed some light. But before I do, um, this image came into my mind, and I can't really communicate it effectively without showing you, so I'm going to go ahead and do that. This is kind of the, the starting point, and God's finishing point. And all along this trail, it's riddled with destiny and promise and purpose for you as an individual when we choose to function along this road. Now, if you're like me, 
you might start off a certain, in a certain way, and then all of a sudden it's like you, you, you veer off the beaten path, and even further and further, one bad decision after another. But even over here, God knows that every single decision that you're going to be confronted with has a segue to bring you back to Him. Every single one. I know there's a lot of argument surrounding the predestination, and I'm not going to get into that. But it's my belief that as we proceed forward and we, have, we come to crossroads and we have the ability to, to get back to the Lord, He's constantly calling us. He's always making a way back to Him. Always. No matter how far you get, it doesn't matter. So long as you have breath in your body, there's always the potential to get back to Him if you so choose. Along this path, I know that there's folks along this trail that are just praying and lifting up and petitioning for this individual to be drawn back. As I've meditated on this, I would see it just started to turn into this massive web because sometimes we, we get so far off track and we think, oh, wow, I've made some serious progress. I'm on my way back to the Lord. Whoops. Okay, 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 I'll go to church. Whoops. Whoops. There's a lot of lives that look like this, but it never fails. He's always there. He wants us back. He's calling us. He's wooing us. He's drawing us. The Holy Spirit is telling us when we get, I mean, the longer I do this, the more it starts to look like a, a, a map. And he wants to map out for us our destiny. Jesus's life represented this line. None of ours will represent this line. In fact, many of ours will represent this web. But as we, as we stay in his will and in his ways, we can be drawn back. And it's a wooing. And along this path, us as fellow believers, we need to be sensitive. See, this is where our calling is. We have a, we have a GPS we're on. God's, God's calling us to a purpose-driven life. He's calling us to a certain uh, function in the earth. But that function in the earth is to win the what? Who hangs out over here? It's easy to get lost. It's really easy. But as we're over here, we should not just leave it up to God and say, ah, he'll deal with them. In fact, I'll share this. This wasn't in, in my, I wasn't planning on sharing this. I called an individual yesterday. Um, there's a graffiti opportunity coming up at a salon opening up in Avondale. And when that came across, I thought, ooh, I, need, I know somebody I can call to get him plugged in to maybe come and do some graffiti because he's really good. And um, mo all of you have seen his name written on a wall somewhere. I'm not going to divulge what that is. But I know that he's a, an avid graffiti artist. He's not just a scribbler, but he actually is an artist. And I thought, let me call him and see see what's going on. I didn't have his number directly, so I called who he was dating at some point, and I spoke with her, and she said, oh, yeah, we're not together anymore. In fact, I have a restraining order against him, and she went through this, that, and the other, and I, said, I was like, wow. One of my reasons for wanting to get him involved in this project was so that we can minister to him, you know, because as we hang out and do graffiti together legally, <laughs> legally, I'll just, under, you got that on the recording, right? 
that we, that maybe that, you know, just because I believe Jesus, Jesus came to folks and he did what they did and he, he, he just got himself around. And so I thought, well, maybe, maybe this will be the opportunity for him. And I heard what was said and I, I told this young lady, I said, well, do you have his number? Because I'd love to contact him because I, I believe that the Lord can, can redeem him and can fix him. And I told her, I don't know what your relationship with the Lord is, but if you know him like I do, you know that he can fix this boy. So please give me his number. And before I can finish speaking, she said, he is so out of whack, God's not going to do anything for him. I'm hanging up now. I thought, wow, that's, that hurts. And I saw the, 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 the dynamics going on, and the secular world has that attitude about God. That's why it's so important for us to know that our God is that he can do anything. And we can do anything through him who strengthens us. So as we're here, we're petitioning for that boy, wooing him. We, we need to be that force. We pray that the Holy Spirit go and sick him. Bring him back. Let me be a light to him. Put somebody in his path. Whatever needs to happen, make it happen. But please redeem this boy. Please redeem that lost one. Get him back into your purpose because it's riddled with promise and destiny and all these things that you know from reading the Word of God that is alive inside of you because of the Word of God, because of what His Son did. But it's up to us to pray and to, to bring those people back. That was a side note. But um, we all get off track every now and then, but He always brings us back. The more open we are to His guidance, the easier it is to get back on track. Some of the things that tend to um, pull us off track, I believe one of the number one things, well, ultimately it's all can be summed up in selfishness. We know that. But ultimately, fear. Fear has a huge part in, in pulling us off of the path that Jesus Christ has put out before us. And... I asked the Lord, well, yeah, Father, fear, that's true. That's, that's true. But, but what do we do about it? I mean, it's scary. To be a called one is scary. If you read through the scriptures and study those who are called by the Lord, that's scary. Those who fulfill promise that give us hope today to live that life, do you really want it? Do you really want it? Read it. If you say you want it just flippantly, then you haven't read it. But it's scary. And I say, well, what do we do about it? It is scary, Lord. And you've made us frail, fragile people. I mean, we get hit by a car and we're dead. It's that simple. It's, what do we do? And he said, go to my word. Don't listen to what they say. Listen to what I say. Well, I did. And he said, you died. He said, no, no, not that part. <laughs> Second Timothy 1.7. He did not give us a spirit of fear. That's awesome. I mean, just stop there. That's awesome. But he gave us power, love, and a sound mind. That's what his word says. And if he empowers us, again, it comes down to relationship and belief. If you believe the Lord rose from the dead, and you didn't just confess him with your mouth, you believe that this is the living word of God, and his Holy Spirit abides in you, then you have power. Power to stand against the things that you fear. So as that stuff rises up in us and we get that revelation, we can overcome fear. That's how. 
Second is comfortability. I, I, we struggle with this. I know, Kelly, even in our own household, we have conversations that say, you know, whenever I watch television, I love watching this one television show. It's not on right now. It's, it'll come back. I'm looking forward to it. Extreme Makeover Home Edition. Yes, I like that show. I cry when I watch that show. A man, I can admit it. But it's, it's heart, it just, it's, it's so amazing. And as I'm watching it, it just inspires this desire to go and find a dilapidated house and build a new one from scratch. And that's what I want to aspire to be. And then I start getting business-minded and business-focused and saying, well, in order to make that happen, I'm going to have to do this, this, and this. Oh, but I don't know if that's going to work out. I can start that business, execute it, and close it down all while sitting on my lazy boy, never having done a thing. Because it gets scary the more you think about it. You think about the sacrifice. You think about all that you're going to have to do, and I'm going to be all alone. I'm not going to be able to spend any time with my children. And the list goes on. And the comfort of my life is going to be disrupted. I have high hopes. You know, I want to retire on a Cush bank account. I want a jet ski. I want, you know, I don't want to have to move out of this house and live in a hut and... All those things that maybe God's calling you to do might require of you can oftentimes challenge your comfortability. And that's one of the things that we get pulled from. Well, I said, Lord, what does that look like? I mean, what about your disciples? They were comfortable, weren't they? Well, let's read uh, 2 Chronicles eleven twenty-five. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. Yeah, that's the life I want. That's comfort. I, you know, I look at these pioneers. I look at these true evangelists, and I think, you know, do, is that really the life that I'm called to? Really? Yeah. Now, it might not manifest like that for some of us, but we need to be willing to sacrifice those things which we hold so dear in order to accomplish the will of God in our lives. This life is not about us. God didn't put heaven and earth in motion so that we can be comfortable. He wants us, we will be comfortable for eternity when we get home. It's only until then that we need to, we need to I mean, call it suffering, call it what you will, and I'm not going to sugarcoat this stuff, but Paul said what he said because that's what he was going through. Money, that can line up with... Um, that can line up with both of those, comfort and fear. When we consider the things that we want to do, you know, God's got us, he's got us on track to get to him. And along this path are certain things. Some require a whole lot of money. Some require no money. And what I mean by that is that you will have no money. He says, leave the person home. And I'm not saying that this is everyone's calling, but I want to awaken your spirit to those things which make you hesitant to stay on the path that God has called you to. Matthew 6.26, I love this. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them, and are you not of more value than them? That preach is really good. You can fire up a crowd to go out, I mean, and just braid hell with a water pistol. You know, oh, I'm, yeah, he's, he's my, he's everything I need. He, ah, those stinking birds, he likes me better. 
I'm, I'm, I'm more worthy. And I mean, all these things can come. But the truth is, he loves you. He will tend to you. He will care for you. We just had a fish die this morning. Yeah. It was sad. Kelly cried. Briefly. Briefly. It was a tear. Her lip was quivering. I know. But it's amazing. A fish. I mean, God likes fish. I know he does. He likes to eat them. But it just, it, even coming in a talk, I just, I felt, I felt something because this one fish, you know, I've been caring for. I, I went yesterday and bought a hospital system for the fish. It was a dolphin cichlid. Beautiful. Elegant. Sweet. Had character. But I mean, I jumped. I, we had, a, we had a, a big day yesterday and it was a crunch for time, but I, didn't, I stopped everything and I went and got this hospital tank. Nothing's going to take my fish. And um, I cared for that little fish and I mean, that was all, but all, all I could do to not just give him a little CPR, you know, fish CPR and blowing his gills and I just, I, it, was, it was sad to see him go. But that's a fish, and that was me towards a fish. How much more my father towards me? You know, if he sees me in a situation that's compromising, he's there, and he wants to do that, and he's constantly speaking to us. Another is power. He's got to be increased, not us. He must increase, we may decrease. We need to have that mentality um, of him being in power. And again, this is all surrounded around selfishness. It takes us, it steals our destiny and all those things that God has promised us along the path to what he's called us to. All right. I'm gonna, we're going to do, it's a lot of scripture reading today, but I wanted to read Psalm 119. 105. I know you guys are like, oh my gosh, we're going to be here till after lunch. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. As I was getting this image of God and GPS, I thought, oh, okay, it was, a, it was a play on words, kind of punchy, you know, it has a nice ring to it. And I thought, you know, putting that picture of the guy holding the GPS, that would be cool and all the rest. But the reality is Jesus Christ said that he's going to be a lamp unto our feet. He's going he's to show us the way, not just on each step, but he's a lamp, a light unto our path. He shows us. He speaks to us. He shows us those things around the corner. And I just think that's so encouraging because David, when he was, um, there was a time when David, do you remember little David? He was out in the sheep field and he was called to great destiny. And his dad was thinking, surely it's not him. He's not, he's not the one. Well, he was called to great destiny. Little old David started off as a shepherd. God's destiny for him was big, very big. And it was bold. It was scary. It was, it was all these things. Well, Psalm 16 reads this. Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. O my soul, you have said to the Lord, you are my Lord. You are my goodness. My, my goodness is nothing apart from you. As for the saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied who hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood I will not offer, nor take up their names on my lips. 
O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me, but in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I get this picture of David sitting on this plush recliner or couch, maybe a sectional with a big ottoman, laying back and having one fanning him as he's taking grapes from another and he's writing these poetic blessings to our Lord because of how great the Lord has been for him. Isn't that a great image? You want to hear the truth? There was utter upheaval in David's life at this moment. If there was ever an individual who had experienced trial and tribulation, it was him. He was in what most of us would have been in despair. But he was offering up praise and thanks to our Lord in that time. Why? Why? What, what is so good about David's life that he could utter these things? He had promise. He knew. He had a faith in our Lord that for the joy set before him, he can see the destiny in his life. Sure, there's roadblocks. Sure, there's potholes and even nuts along the road. Sure, there's all these, these times of, of trying in your life. But when you are called by the Lord and you know that there's destiny before you, and we know this as his children because he says so, who are we that we would hold a fist to the Lord? You're not giving me my Lexus. I'm going into foreclosure. Where are you? Why aren't you here? It hurts. Saul was in pursuit of David's life, even though he had done nothing. Now, you all know Saul. That's not a dude you want to have after you. You really don't. The prophet had anointed him to be king, yet here he is, an outcast, even a fugitive. I'm sure he wondered, why? Why is this happening? But he knew in the midst of the why, he knew what was, what was to come. And that gave him hope. That gave him, that enlivened his spirit enough so to be able to tell people about Jesus Christ with a joy and not some dutiful, 
if you, well, it's that turn and burn message, you know, if you don't accept Jesus, you're going to go to hell, so says the Bible. Woe to me, but God's doing some great things in my life someday. And I don't think David sounded like this. I think David had a zeal in him as he was in the midst of these trials and tribulations that he would look to those around him and say, our God has a plan. Uh, he, that's, that's the sign of a true king. Someone that can see past the circumstances, through the potholes, across the river. I think he would have driven through that river in that festiva. I do believe it. But at times, we, you know, we come to a juncture in our lives, and we need to know the direction that God has for us. And at times, that road's going to be riddled with obstacles, tied up in construction. You know, just like David, we need God's voice and his counsel. But here's the cool part. All we have to do is really turn on our GPS. And that, for each one of us as individuals, means our belief to rekindle that place where we get before him. We take the word of God, and we don't just read it at face value, but we, we read between the lines. We allow the Holy Spirit to inspire us and to, to, to build us up. And as we turn that on, it's, it's weird how, and I know most of us can testify. As I'm looking around the room, I see bobbing heads like those on the dashboard of a car. I, you know that feeling when you're at a place where your, your faith is being tested and you don't know that you're going to be able to make it through the next season in your life? Maybe there's this major obstacle in front of you. And I've learned to try to look at these things as no longer obstacles but opportunities. Because God will show himself real in these types of situations so long as we submit to his ways and believe him. Don't just confess him, but believe him. And that looks strange. It looks like strange sacrifice of time, resource, energy. And it just, it just lives out in an unfamiliar way. He wants to guide us and teach us. He wants to give us good advice and watch over us. Did I give you Psalm 32, Jerry? I did. Good. He will instruct us and teach us the way which we should go. He will guide us with his eye. When we lean on that and to say, Lord, I, I can only see from this two-dimensional perspective. I'm down here on, on this thing. You, you are above all. He sees over all. He reigns over all. And even as we were singing that this morning, I just sensed his, his reigning and that he can see everything before we even think about it. And he reigns over that. And so long as we tap into him, have you ever considered, I'm going to go ahead and give you the GPS thing here in just a second, the, the triangulation. Have you ever considered the way a GPS works? Now this is, this is sheer carnal right here, so don't, don't expect to glean anything spiritual off of this. However, isn't it interesting that it must triangulate? There's three satellites at work. And as I just picture myself as that little X right there. And I see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit up there talking. There's a, there was a movie, an old movie. I think it was Oh God or one of those. And it's like you see a universe and they're like flashing and it's God talking to an, an angel or, or an archangel saying, okay, you need to go down there and deal with this. A wonderful life. That's the one. And I just picture in the heavenlies, as we fall to our knees and we petition for the Holy Spirit to move and we say, Lord, less of me, more of you. I can't do this on my own. It's amazing how they start to say, okay, let's, let's huddle up here. We have, we've got to put together something for Noah down there. 
and they, they plot your destiny. They plot your, your map, and they'll speak to you. Are you listening? But I just think it's really cool how we, even in a, in a, a natural state, we must rely on triangulation in order to pinpoint a destination. I just think it's really neat. Well, I think that today we've, we've really taken for granted the Word of God. We fail to appreciate the gift that we've been given in God's Word. And um, as we combine this Word and the Holy Spirit, you get the best results. I think it's great that we read our Bibles, and it's important. You should read your Bibles to be input, but it's not enough to just read your Bibles. It's not enough to just pray and say, well, you know, when I got born again, the, God wrote the word in my heart, and so I'm filled with his word, and I just know it inherently. So I don't need to read it anymore because, you know, man wrote this, and man is just all messed up, so everything that he wrote has got to be messed up too. So there's these two, there's these two polar opposites, but the truth is we need both. We need the word of God. We need to read the word of God. We need to hear the word of God. We need to be taught the word of God. We need to speak the word of God. We need to pray the word of God. But we can't just cut one or the other out. I love that we can read the word over and over. And the deeper we get in it, we discover new paths and get a new picture of our final destination. It becomes clearer and clearer and clearer and clearer. This is the only book that I'm aware of that I can read 10 times and get 10 different words. But real words. It's, it's just amazing that there's a life and a heartbeat to this thing that allows us to move forward into our destiny. Well, Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 4.8, and he was able to speak boldly about Jesus. We're called to win. We're called to this person. We're called to win this person. We need to be able to speak boldly about Jesus. If we don't know where we're going, if we don't know what God has called us to, there's no way that we're going to be able to speak boldly about his word, about what he's done for us. It's not enough to know about Jesus. It's not enough. We need to have a revelation. And as we are walking along our path and, and allowing the Lord to guide us, he shows us miracles. How did I get from here to here? There's no way that that could have happened unless God intervened. Let me tell, let me tell you, little guy, this is what happened for me as I listened to the Lord. This is, what, this is what the Word says about that situation. This is how it came alive in my life. And it's like that theme ride I once told you guys about that. If you go on yourself and you tell somebody about it, I guarantee you they're going to go to the fair and they're going to ride that thing. But if you tell me about the theme ride and I go tell somebody else about the theme ride that you told me about, it's not going to have near the passion or the experiential power that that first encounter did. So when we encounter that for ourselves and have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and listen to the Holy Spirit as he guides us through life, as opposed to maybe mom and dad's testimony or pastor's testimony or maybe, you know, that televangelist that, you know, some skip church on Sunday to, to get a word from and, and we live vicariously through their testimony, it's not enough. As we submit to the Holy Spirit, and we listen to him and talk to him on a regular basis, he's going to show us what it is that we're called to do and how to get there. Peter was filled and he was bold. He declared that we are his witnesses. To, we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit who, whom God has given to those who obey him. 
you can't do this on your own. The Holy Spirit has been sent here for those who obey him to empower you to do the things which we talk about as Christians. We're the same source of power. He'll become real in your life if you let him. Christians tend to rely on everything but the Holy Spirit. In the South, I know family's really big, and a lot of, a lot of folks will, will take the word of their family over the word of the Lord any day of the week, twice on Sunday. And it's sad because it's the, the word of God that is supposed to be doing these things in our lives. I mean, there's some folks who, I, I mean, I think Justin Bieber's probably leading a lot of people in a, in a, in a life. If you don't know who Justin Bieber is, you're on the right track. No, he's, I, I don't guess he's a bad kid, but he's just, he's like an idol. That, that, you know, people, it's like Michael Jackson. You remember those days? I mean, garments would fly on stage when Michael Jackson would show. And if he would have said, drink the Kool-Aid and wait for the spaceship, people would have done it because he's just that influential. The Holy Spirit needs to be the one to speak into our lives. He needs to be that voice again. Our independent streak is not going to allow us to do that. We're not going to be able to hear from him. Our pride telling us that we can do it all by ourselves. It's not gonna. It's not gonna cut it. As we walk in the Spirit, yield to the Spirit, and are taught by the Spirit, we should find ourselves praying in the Spirit. What I'm seeing happen a lot in even my own life, and I'm I'm just speaking to me right now, but I often grieve the Spirit for my lack of willingness to lay down all that I have on my agenda, or maybe all my belief system, or you know, I've read your word, and this is what I have twisted it to be for me. So that's what we're going to do. It grieves the Holy Spirit. The challenge I've wanted to bring before you today is to understand that God has mapped out a course for you. He's placed you in this earth for a reason. He sent his son to live and die for you that the Holy Spirit might come dwell with you and in you, that you can go forward into the earth, winning souls, making disciples, populating the kingdom of heaven. And the only way that you're going to do that is to get on your face before the Lord and get in his word and to petition, what is his plan for you? Father, what is the path that I'm supposed to be walking on? If there's a fear that has risen up in you, then I want to rebuke that tonight, today before we leave. I want us to come before the throne in your own way. You can sit in your seat. You can come to the altars. You do whatever you want. But understand that we are lost without him. We are truly lost without him. During prayer time this morning, there's a song called Breathe. We're not going to hit it yet. I, I didn't plan on this, but... Cindy came in and, and prayed and brought forth a word that could not be more appropriate. And I believe that as we move into a new season, even as a local church, we all have agendas. We all have personal plans. We all think we know what the best thing is financially um, and what direction we should go as a church. You know, because we're facing some, some opposition right now. Your personal life and your marriage, you feel like, well, you're doing the right thing because of whatever. But God has a response to anything that you would bring before him and say, this is what I think. Because he has something that he thinks. 
I want us to come before him this morning and to lay down our agendas in your own way. Lay down your agenda and ask him to fill you with purpose, fill you with destiny. Have him call you back from that place that you might have. And, and this, this can represent any area of your life. Maybe it's your workplace. Maybe it's the way you've raised your children or treated your wife or maybe you're single and you're, you're wishing you weren't and you've just been going about finding a mate the wrong way and the Holy Spirit's been just all but screaming, trying to get you to listen. But right now, take this time to, to visualize that thing in your life, that mountain, and understand that as you get on the path of righteousness, it, it's going to have its obstacles. Read through the Bible and you'll learn everybody that had any purpose in their life had to face grave obstacles. They, they all ended up dying, as far as I know. Well, there's a couple that were ascended, but... And that might be you. I don't know. Maybe, that, that could be good. But I'm just encouraged. And the, the, the Word... He gave it to us not so we can have church. So somebody can come up and let's read this book and call it church and get people excited and go out there and hit the buffet after church. And maybe call them together and do a, let's study this thing. Let's just, let's just study it. And maybe if I hang around it long enough, it'll just rub off on me. Maybe if I hang around people who read it enough, maybe I'll get through some divine osmosis. I'll, I'll get something from them. This time in our life is more important than it ever has been. The, time, the history of the world has never been what it is right now. The, the words in this book are alive and they're manifesting in the physical realm right now. Call it coincidence. I think not. Read the end and you'll see your part in this. We need to take this seriously today, more than ever. And as a church going forward, I want us, I want us to be of impact for the kingdom. I want the legacy, no pun intended, of this church, even locally. I know that there's a church at large, and right now I'm, I'm, just, I'm just speaking to us as a people. There is a job to be done in this local body. We have a task. It's not happenstance that we are together this morning. We are going forward into a promise that God has called this church to. He's given our pastor a vision, and he's given us ability. And we're going to move forward into a, a huge promise, a destination that he's called us to. Some are going to walk with Legacy Church through its full existence. Some are going to plant churches. Some are going to move and get married and go other places. But the, the call on our lives does not change. It doesn't move. It abides within us as a local church. And the, the, the ministry that's being taught here is not to enlarge or warm more seats. That's not the purpose of it. I know sometimes it can sound like, oh, we're just trying to grow a church. We're just, let's just grow a church. Let's use the, the 10 best steps to, to get more fannies in seats. And let's just try to get this thing mega church. I want a mega church status. That's not it. God's vision is for the masses to be one to him. And in order for that to happen, the masses need to be presented with him. 
and we are the ones to do the presenting. Pastor Baird, I love him. He's an amazing man of God, and he's going to influence tens of thousands and I believe millions before his life is through. But he's not the one that's been called alone to do this. But each of us, if, if we look to him to say, let's, yeah, let's go to church. What is pastor doing this week to win souls? What, what program can you present in order that we might have a way to get those out there that would love to come in and serve to, to start serving and get plugged in? And maybe, you know, pastor, come on, do, do that thing. Or, you know, and I'm feeling now that I'm, on, I'm visible. I get a lot of these questions and I, I'm compassionate now and I empathize with what pastor goes through. And, and then on the flip side, I'm, one, I'm, I'm a congregant as well. And so I get the best of both worlds in that regard. But I realize now more than ever that the call is on our lives. It's on us as individuals. How passionate are you to see souls one to Christ? And I wish there was another way to communicate that because already now after the holiness movement and now the charismatic movement, those, those terms just sound like a, a cliche that just rolls off the tongue. But the truth is we are called to win souls and make disciples, to be the light in the earth, to be salt in the earth, to go out, go out, out, and make disciples. That is a huge task, and I will not do it without a GPS. I, I refuse to take a step in that direction for fear that I just get lost. If you want to cue that song, I think it starts with the little guitar playing, but, um, and I'm not doing this to solicit emotion by any stretch of the imagination, but I believe it's times like this when the seed has been sown that the Holy Spirit can fertilize these things. He can cause to come to life the reality of His Word in these instances and in these moments. And I want to capitalize on that. So let's pray in your own way that the Lord reveal to you something that you can do in your life to untangle the web that you've created through your lack of desire to stay on His path in certain areas and what you can do to achieve His destination in your life, your destiny and His big plan. Father, I thank you. This is the end again. This is the end again. Your holy presence living in me. This is my day. This is my daily bread. Your very word spoken to me. And I
you are desperate enough, desperate enough to let him map out your life for you? How many of you believe in him enough to let him 
map out your life for you? Is there enough faith? And the one we call Lord of our life for us to lay down our life and let him live through us. I'm encouraged that the days ahead, we are going to see some of the mightiest miracles that have ever taken place. We are living in a time that I believe the disciples would love to be here to watch and to be a part of. I talked to a teacher just the other day and she told me that when you view what you're doing, I mentioned to her that I'm a youth pastor and we talked about fruit and when is it that you get to see fruit and how does that work? And she is a teacher and she said, I know what you're talking about. I teach special, special ed and you know, you just got to look at it this way. You're part of an assembly line, maybe at a car plant. And you know, your job is you just put on bumpers. You may never see the finished product. You might not even see the prototype. But you sit and put on bumpers, and it feels unrewarding at times. But there comes a time at the other end of the assembly line where this thing pops out. And there's this finished product. All that planning and preparation and meetings and all the rest came to pass in the form of a brand new car. I thought, wow, I've never really considered that. and looked at it that way. And as we consider the work that we do, there's been a lot of, there's, there, we've come a long way. I believe we're almost at the end of that assembly line. And some of us are putting on decals. The paint's done. And out is going to spring forth this finished product. And I believe that we are the generation that are going to see the finished product. And that is exciting. We're going to see Jesus reign on high. We're going to live in this time we read about. Now, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll be honest with you. It's, it's, it freaks you out a little bit when you read all that takes place in Revelation. And, you know, we don't know if this pre-trib, post-trib rapture or all the, you know, there's all this discussion and debate that takes place around that. But the reality is we're going to be a part of something that so many saints before, uh, before us have labored for. And we read stories and there's martyrs and, I mean, just so much that has taken place. And we're going we're gonna to reap the fruit of that. I mentioned in the beginning of service that it's spring. There's, there's just a newness. Just block out the pollen for a second. There's a newness that is coming forth right now. Look at the trees. Take the time today to go look at the trees that were once barren. And look, you'll see those new sprouts coming forth. Rejoice in the season that we live in. This is a wonderful time for us to live as saints. And I want to encourage you to go out and live all out for the Lord. And let Him map out your, your destination. And walk in it. Get in the Word. Rely on Him. Take the, take the focus off of all that stuff that's happening around us. Become aware of the fact that in a, in a split second, that can all be washed out with a tidal wave. And all that matters to you will then be revealed. What is it that matters? I'd, I'd, I'd like to believe that I can end up, when 
and if all that happens, because all the stuff's going to burn up anyway, that I can look at my family and I can look at my God and say, I'm still joyful. Yeah, all that's gone. But you're not. You're still here. And we have a relationship. And I can rejoice with you. I'm not in panic mode saying, God, please help. No, but I'm, I'm with you. And that's where we are. Isn't that a great place to be? So as you take that with you today and go out there, when you get to SNS Cafeteria, when you get to, when you get to Smoky Bones or Kicking Chicken, like I think I'm going to Kicking Chicken, you think about, you think about what, what has been said today. You just envision, when you turn on your GPS, I'd encourage you, wherever you're going to, wherever you're going to lunch today, plug it in, plug those coordinates in your GPS and follow it there. And listen to that voice. You'll hear it. Some of you have, like, I think even Sean Connery. You can be chosen on a voice. Or Mr. T. Yeah, I pity the food. Don't make a left up here. Those, but just when you hear that voice, rejoice and say, Holy Spirit, talk to me like that. I don't know. You won't be Sean Connery or Mr. T. Well, maybe it is for some of you. I don't know. But I want you to be encouraged to just ask the Lord, speak to me so clearly as to show me where I should turn left, where I should turn right. He can do that. You know that. So I encourage you to go out today, love one another, encourage one another. God bless you. I'm glad, glad you came to Legacy Church. Amen. Amen.